Well folks, you're back once again to another episode of Campbell's Footballs! Yes, a warm welcome to Campbell's Footballs, the only podcast where bat predictions are cancelled out by good crack. Well, this weekend has seen the end of the last 16 of the Scottish Cup. Comfortable wins for Rangers and Celtic, a replay between Aberdeen and Kilmarnock, and a fantastic win for Inverness Cali Thistle against Livingston. I'll be chatting about the Scottish Cup with my guest this week, which is BT Sport commentator Rory Hamilton. I'll be chatting to Rory as well about his career to date, including his life at BT Sport, working alongside people like Stephen Cragen and Chris Sutton, as well as some other interesting topics from the world of Scottish football. This is Campbell's Footballs, produced in association with Toby Johnson Music and Rory Hope Music. I'm joined for this latest episode of Campbell's Footballs by BT Sport commentator Rory Hamilton. Rory, a warm welcome to Campbell's Footballs. Thank you very much, Grant. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it as well. It's really interesting to hear how your career has developed because I think a lot of people see a lot of people in commentary and are intrigued about the journey of how they got into football and, and obviously where it's taken um, them to where they are at the moment. So I think my first question to you is how did you want to get into uh, sports journalism and, and football commentary in the first place? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, it, it, it's not. Um, I didn't come into the business uh, with that as really the intention at all, because um, I, I didn't really know that there was a route into being a commentator. I didn't really sort of appreciate that that was a job that was attainable. Um, I went in and I, I first start, uh, started doing a sort of junior production role. Uh, I did some weekend work uh, with Scott Sport on STV mm. uh, when I was at uni, and uh, that sort of. Uh, became a, a full-time role after that, uh, and then joined Satanta, doing the same same sort of thing, uh, production role, and um, you know, cutting match highlights and pre-match interviews, and, and working working on the live games eventually, and you know, cutting the replays, um, all that sort of thing. And then it was really once uh, once Satanta became no more. Freelance, and that was where that kind of started opening a few of the doors to to being able to do some commentary, which was uh, which was something that, that by the time that I'd worked in the industry, that was when I I sort of realised that that might be a path I wanted to go down. Yeah, it was, it's it's really interesting to hear how your journeys evolved because you're you're very much into rugby as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, always have been. Um, 
most sports, so lots of lots of mates don't understand it. They're uh, they're one or the other. But um, <laughs> I played, uh, when, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, I, I would play, uh, you know, rugby on the the Saturday morning, and then and then sometimes football on the Saturday afternoon or Sunday. By the time that it went to Sunday league as well. Uh, so I've always always been both, and um, I actually I actually quite like having um, both in my career. I feel like it um, it's, it just freshens things up. I, I, I tend to find you know if you if you're particularly <laughs> just involved in Scottish football, you can get kind of you know wrapped up in it all a wee bit too much. It's nice sure. to to have something that, that gives you a little bit of a break and a change of scene. Yeah, the diversity I think is very interesting. I mean, I'm into I'm interested in a lot of sports, from the wonderful world of lawn bowling to the world of football to the world of golf. It really is interesting, and I think a lot of people get very excited when they uh, see that uh, people are involved in a range of different sports. Um, just go back to the days that you started off at Scott Sport and then moving on to Satanta. Were there any real influencers that kind of stemmed your enthusiasm for the world of sports journalism? Uh, well, I mean, the, those, those very early days um, at Scottsboro, you know, I would go in on a on a Sunday and, and sort of put their their match uh, their post match interviews onto their website. And you know, Archie McFarlane was he was he was still uh, going around those days. Uh, so that was all you know. It was always exciting to to meet a, a real legend of the game. Absolutely. And I, I guess that would have probably been one of the first times that you start to think, oh, I wonder if I could do that that someday. Yeah. Um, Jim uh, Delhunt as well. He was there. I was going to mention um, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think he was he was uh, quite helpful in me uh, moving across to to Satanta at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, he he became quite a, quite an important influence in in my early career as well. Yeah, I think that I think when you mentioned Jim Delahunt, I mean, I was I've, I've had people on this podcast like Rob McLean and 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 Guy Mowbray, and just hearing their journey that they've been on, and some of these high-profile people that you mentioned, you mentioned Archie McPherson there. I mean, he's just a figurehead of Scottish football, and you, you just just mention his name, and it just resonates, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're quite lucky there. There have been some really iconic voices uh, throughout. Scottish broadcasting, uh, I feel, and when you when you look back on it, you, you probably don't realise at the time the influence that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, growing up, you're know, listening to guys like Archie and um, uh, Bill McLaren on on the rugby. Absolutely. Um, you know, even now, I mean, I don't think anybody can uh, can get close to how he was able to tell the story of, of what was going on in a game. It was just absolutely incredible. Oh, absolutely. That's definitely a very true point. Let's talk a little bit more about the days of Satanta because that was a that was a journey that sort of was very short lived. Was it a shame that how it sort of finished up in a way? Yeah, I mean, I mean, definitely. There, there were there were good times, and, and we, had, we had so much going on. It it's quite um, it's quite a different world to to think of. You know, just just how much football that we were punting out on that panel. There, there was. An awful lot going on. I think I think they did sixty live games. I remember uh, one of the programs I worked on uh, was the, the results program, and they would you know they would turn out the the goals at full time. You know you you'd get to see exactly what had happened. Absolutely. Ex- you know right on full time, which is which is not something that we're we're really treated to now. Um, but yeah, that, that was the, they were they were good days. Um, it was, a, it was a shame the, the way that it 
ended up. But in the end, you know, there, there was a lot of people there that um, that stayed in the industry. You know, like the the good ones really hung on and and uh, and stuck with it, and you know, got chances be it through ESPN and Sky, uh, and then and then on to BT as well. Um, and and I, I still work with them. You know, probably half the BT team were were involved in the TAD operations. I used to say. Opposite Daryl Curry, uh, yeah. in the in the desk uh, at Satanta, he, he was in a sort of junior production role and just starting out, getting into doing a little bit of reporting, and uh, then he went down to the, the London offices and, and got a, a little chance to do a bit of presenting as well. So it, it, it sort of forged quite a few careers. Yeah, no, it's, it's very interesting to see how people kind of go in that sort of journey and how it sort of evolves. Uh, you know, as you go through. Um, one of my key questions has actually just moved on really nicely into the BT Sport uh, sort of way of movement because you kind of took over from Derek Ray, didn't you? And that's a, a very big uh, set of shoes to fill. Yeah, I, I always knew that straight away. <laughs> Everyone talks about filling Derek's shoes and it's, uh, it's not an easy easy thing to do at all. I was you know, very honoured to, to be given the opportunity to, to do that. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, you you almost you can't fill people's shoes. You need to need to make them your own, uh, I guess. But you know, I didn't take over the role that he was doing. Um, it's been it's been very good fun uh, trying to live up to him because uh, he's certainly somebody that has resonated throughout my career as well. And, and upbringing, you know, a voice that that you would hear on games uh, and somebody that, that I've always looked up to. And he's he's still a guy who's. Um, Yeah, no, I, I, Derek, of course, a, a former guest on my show as well, and it really was interesting to see how his career evolved and obviously his opportunities to go to America and working in, in Europe and stuff like that. Um, have you had an opportunity to work in that sort of field yourself, or have you been mostly associated in the UK? No, it's, it's all been uh, all been UK. But I mean, uh, doing stuff in Ireland as well with, with Premier. Um, but yeah, in, in the main. It's certainly uh, something that I, I wouldn't I wouldn't close off. I, I really one of the things that I enjoy in life is is traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would just, I would like to see more of the world. And if you can uh, if you can get paid to do it and go to football stadiums around the world, then uh, that, that's kind of the dream. Absolutely, and I think that is very much important to, to, to see about that. Um, obviously, you've been involved in BT Sport for, for a few years now, and I first kind of caught on to your commentary, basically through chance, really. I was watching some YouTube highlights from, I think it was 2014. Aberdeen were playing Celtic at Batodre. I think it was the game that Virgil van Dijk got sent off. I remember Johnny Hayes scoring an absolute peach in the game anyway, and Aberdeen won the game 2-1. Um, I thought that was really a, kind of how I found you out, really, and yeah, I really enjoy listening to you on BT Sport, but just kind of continue on that sort of theme. You know, you mentioned Daryl Curry there. What is it like working with these guys at BT Sport? No, it's 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 a really it's a really good fun operation. It's a very um, it's a very relaxed atmosphere. You know, everyone everyone gets on well. You know, we arrive and, and meet up, have a chat about how things are going to go, but um, it's. It is a, it's a friendly environment. I've, I've really enjoyed um, being a part of it. It'll be a shame um, when that stops. 
BT Sport coverage. I mean, I mean, Daryl fronts the show really well. You get people like Stephen Craig and Michael Sheeran who are really engaging, and then you have Chris Sutton, <laughs> and then you have to work with him on a regular basis. What's it like working with with those guys, and in particular Chris, because obviously you guys have been involved in the Europa League coverage, and uh, one of the games I'll always remember this year is the two games against Lazio. Yeah, well, because I'm fortunate enough, um, you know, get to do those do those games and travel away with Chris. Um, and there's, there's usually just it would be me, Chris, a reporter um, who's been full time this year, and then an assistant producer and a cameraman, and and that's it. So you right. you, you know you're travelling in, in sort of a, a small group, and it allows you to get to know uh, everyone really really well. Chris honestly is is really he's great to work with. I, I sort of learned very early on. You know, I'd say that was probably the one relationship that I was like, I, I know I need to get this right. Yes. Um, but he's but he's made it easy from the from the beginning. And but I knew from meeting him for the first time, I knew I, I've got to be on my game here because if you're not, <laughs> you'll, <laughs> you'll you'll pick out something that you've not prepared for. Yeah. Um, Straight away, um, and he was, he was sort of terrified. My first game was Air United against Kilmarnock, and he was asking me about the Air team. And, and I sort of cottoned on that he wasn't asking because he wanted to know the answers, he wanted to know that I knew and that I'd actually prepared properly for it. And, and, and from then on, I always knew I've got to be as prepared as him because he, and, and he does. Chris gets a, a sort of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for a marmite opinion and uh, I really like him I think he says it as it is I think he's very measured in the way he approaches things and uh, I, I love his the way he kind of goes about certain angles on, on certain topics and okay many Rangers fans won't like me saying this on this podcast saying oh that you know he's very biased against Rangers but you know I th- think he is I think he gives a very fair and balanced opinion and obviously he's very good on Five Live as well with Ali Bruce Paul you know he does as you mentioned Rory a lot 
lot of stuff with uh, with BT and obviously working with some of the guys in England as well. And you know, I, I just think he's respected on so many levels, and I, I think it's fantastic that you get to share that experience working with people like Chris. Well, it, it's very true, and, and I think another part that we need to remember is that the Scottish football doesn't always have the voice in England. Absolutely. But he, he, he gives us a really positive um, outlook down there. 100%. Um, because he, he will always back up the, the Scottish game. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, like you, you say about the you know, Rangers fans will give him stick and, and things like that. He'll, he'll, he'll always back up his opinion um, with, with facts and evidence as to how he got there. Yeah. And it's also very easy to forget the times when he says something that you agree with because a lot of the time people just pick up the things Correct. that they disagree with yeah, yeah. and forget them that the other 90% of the time when, when they're probably sitting there going, oh, he's actually got a good point there. Yeah, yeah. No, I fully agree. I mean, I mean, we're not even just mentioning Chris. We're talking about people like Michael Schur, who I really rate. I think he's a fantastic uh, pundit. Stephen Cragen is going from strength to strength, I think, on BT Sports. Well, and Ali McCoyst offers his own uh, enthusiasm as well. Obviously, very highly rated on Talk Sport as well. You know, I, I really am jealous seeing you guys working with these people. I think it really is fantastic. I don't know what you think, though. Yeah, so sometimes you have to sort of pinch yourself, you know, obviously growing up watching all these guys playing and then you, and then you're actually part of the, the same group as them which is it's, it's pretty cool but we were um, we were up at Pataudry it was earlier on this season and I was just driving down um, and and I, the, Yeah, none, he just... none of it's for show. It's just like he is an absolutely top top bloke, and, and all the guys are as well. You know, you, you mentioned um, Michael and and Stephen as well. They're they're two guys that I get on really well with um, off off screen as well. Yeah. Um, taking both of them out up into the mountains, and I'm trying to lure Michael out in his snowboard later on once we get to <laughs> the snow. So, uh, <laughs> it might be some good. Uh, some good Twitter updates to come on that. Some good team bonding, in inverted commas. <laughs> Absolutely. There's not many of them that can lure out into the mountains, but I'll try my best. Now, Rory, obviously when you're getting ready for a big game, uh, obviously you've mentioned a lot of planning and organisation before a, a commentary match. How much work will you do in preparation for a game? Yeah, I mean, we, we always get sent out, so as a, as a stats fan, you'll like this, we, we always get sent a, a stats pack uh, before a game, which is, um, oh, I don't know, maybe about 20 pages, maybe more, of information uh, on the game itself, uh, historical, what it, what the the scenarios are for, for both teams, how it will affect the league, all that sort of thing. Uh, and then every player uh, with, you know, maybe 15 lines of information of aged caps, appearances, Right. Their youth career, all that sort of thing. Um, so I, I, everyone does it differently. Some people will look at that and they can retain it. I, I put it down on little cards. So I do a card for every player, yeah. um, and then I can move them about in formation when you get the teams, um, and then I'll have information on the, on the game as well. So I, I would say I probably 
start doing that. Say we've got a Saturday game, I'll probably start looking at that sort of thing uh, on the Thursday when we'll usually get the the stats pack. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, it's probably so much of that you, you already know. You, you, I, I just do that as a it's the process. Yeah. And it gets your it gets your mind into into the way of thinking for the game. Um, a bit. I mean, it, really, it's it's just it's an ongoing. Uh, thing throughout life I mean I'm, I'm naturally interested in the subject so in the morning first thing I do is you know, check the BBC see see what's happening uh, if there's any stories coming out gossip columns all that sort of thing Twitter just go through it and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and see see what the, the lay of the land is um, so it, it is it's kind of an ongoing thing but yeah when you actually sit down to start putting things down on paper probably you know the two days Leading up to the game would probably be when I would uh, I would do that, but it, it does it continues all the way up till kickoff. Then um, once you get the teams, and then I'll I'll start. I always leave it till till probably the last hour uh, that I'll do that sort of intro script, which comes from usually Daryl will throw to me as the teams are just coming out the tunnel. Yeah, and from there to kickoff is generally about five minutes, um, and I'll. Pretty much always script that. I'll script it as close to kickoff as possible, just just because as, as you're getting to the ground and you're meeting folk, you maybe have a chat with the managers. That's when you really start to forge just exactly what the you trying to sum up exactly what the game means to, to everyone that's involved. Absolutely, and I think it's quite interesting to see, as you say, how different people prepare for matches. And as I said, I've had people like Guy Mowbray on in previous times, and he'll 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 do some preparation by playing a FIFA game between the two teams he's commentating on that weekend, which is quite interesting. I always had Rob McLean on before, and he would do something slightly different, and and obviously people like uh, Derek Ray will do something different still. So it's very interesting to see the diverse ideas that people kind of do to kind of get ready for these sorts of matches. Yeah, I've got to be careful with that because I'll be uh, <laughs> like my football manager team, and suddenly like, oh, Elgin City today. You know, that's just getting very odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's quite interesting to hear the the stuff that you do outside of football. You say that you're very into your um, your snow sports. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, love it. Although we've just not um, got very much snow uh, at the moment. Um, but yeah, no, I'm quite. Like my outdoor adventures and getting out into the mountains. Um, not many people know what it is, but I go sportboarding, okay. which is um, it's a snowboard that splits down the middle and forms two skis, and you can put like one-way skins on the bottom of them, so you can you can walk uphill on them in the snow. Wow. Um, and then when you get to the top of the mountain, you clip it all together and you snowboard down, which. Uh, you know, it's the worst part of any day on the mountains is coming down because it wrecks your knees. So if you can snowboard down, then it's uh, it's all the better. And you, you spend about four hours uh, getting up there and five minutes getting back to the car. How important is it for people like yourself in the media to have these um, extracurricular activities away from the commentary box? I mean, I, mean, I, I guess like, like anything else... Um, like, like any work, we're fortunate enough that it doesn't really feel like you're going to work when you when you're turning up at a stadium and, and commentating on games. But but you got you've always got to keep your mind fresh with with other things. Absolutely. I, I've actually found um, I've always 
well, since uh, what was the game? Uh, Liechtenstein at home when um, Steve McManus yes. scored late. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 96th minute winner. And I worked on that one because it was really early on in my freelance days with Sky. And I decided to take, that, take the shift uh, of doing some stats live on the game. Uh, and I regret it because I, I thought, oh, that, that'll be a game that will win. It won't be a great atmosphere. It will just be straightforward, so I might as well take the shift and not worry about the game. And then you, you know, you get that massive moment at the end. And I said to myself, "Then Scotland games—that's for me being a fan." Because if if you don't have things like that and, and extracurricular activities, it all just becomes work, and you forget why you why you love the game in the first place. So I you mean, know, I've, I've travelled away with. Scotland uh, since I think it was oh, 05, 06, something like that. maybe 06 was my first uh, first game away in Lithuania when we won 2-1 and Kenny Miller and uh, Christian Bailey got the two goals um, and that, that's why you, you, you need to remind yourself that first and foremost you, you're a football fan, yeah. you love it like everyone else does uh, because if if you if you don't have that attachment to the game and it is just work, then I think you can lose your enthusiasm for it. Yeah. Do you get spotted at Scotland games by fans? Not really. You see, that's quite that's the nice thing about being a commentator is <laughs> a lot. You know, you're, you're very very rarely on screen. Um, so you know, and it's highly unlikely that anybody's going to say oh, you, you sound a wee bit like that guy on DT. <laughs> it's uh, it's never really going to happen. So. Um, yeah, quite quite lucky in that sense. It's funny you mention that because uh, we're recording the show on Monday night, and uh, I was actually out after the Aberdeen Kilmarnock game on Saturday just for a drink after the after the cup game, which we'll come on to in a little bit later on in the show. Yep. And I went to uh, the Prince of Wales bar in Aberdeen with it to see a few friends of mine. And within about ten minutes of me being in the pub, six people came up to me and says, "Oh, you're the guy that does the Campbell's Footballs podcast. Can we get a picture with you?" It was like jeepers, you know. And I'm only doing it freelance, and people are uh, already recognizing my voice and recognizing my face on Twitter and that it's it's quite extraordinary so I feel very honored for yourself that you're not being recognized at these things yeah, yeah I mean it, it, I, I usually try and try and play it down a little bit um, uh, I'm, not, I'm not a big ego or anything I'm looking for for attention I'm quite happy just to uh, quite happy just to fly under the radar but usually usually when when I do you know, but, you know I, I don't I don't hide it um, you know, people do ask, and it's always a very interesting topic of conversation. People are always really, uh, they're really wanting to hear about what it's like um, in the business. Yeah, uh, which which is you know, it's, it's it's nice to be a part of. You've commented on some big games so far this season. Obviously, we mentioned a little bit about working with Chris in Europe, and also um, some games on BT Sport. Any standouts for you? Uh, the European games always stand out. Um, they, there's there's just a there's a different atmosphere, tension, yeah. um, hype. The, the it's only the nighttime games. We've actually we've been good with, with BT. We do a lot of those Friday night games. There's something there's something special about an evening game. There is. And under the lights. Uh, and this year's this year's been great. Actually, we've had a really good run. Uh, the the two Lazio games. That was the two I was going to come up with. Yeah. Out. They, yeah. they were absolutely unbelievable. Um, the first the first European game that I did with BT uh, was Zenit St Petersburg at home. 
mm-hmm. uh, and that was a great night as well. And Callum McGregor got the goal, and it just it felt like something special. It felt real, you know. They they missed the chance there because they should have won by more than one. And yeah. then when they went, we we all went over to Russia for the game as well. Um, and I think that it was cancelled out by a Brab, um, Ivanovic in inside the first two minutes or something. Yeah, I think uh, I they remember that. There, they were yeah. never going to win it from there, but. Um, that that was that, that was cool to go over there as well. That was in the the uh, the stadium in St Petersburg that they built for the World Cup, and I think at the time it was it was the most expensive stadium in the world. They'd mm. spent a, a, I think it was a billion on it, yeah. or a billion dollars anyway. Um, and yeah, so that, that that was quite fun. I'd I'd, I'd, I'd get a little bit seduced by the European trips. They're they're good fun, and uh, well, we had well, we've done now three cup finals as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the Betfred uh, with with uh, BT and the, the last one the, the Ultra Cup final was was a cracker. It was a cracking um, game. It was a cracking game yeah. because it was a game that Celtic I couldn't believe won it. But at the end of the day, you could just see Celtic winning it because that's what champions do. Exactly, exactly. I, I, I think you, you play that game another ten times and they, they would have lost each of them, um, but somehow somehow they got over the line. Uh, and yeah, it was that was pretty incredible. They're, they're just they're, they're a winning machine, aren't they? They certainly are. I mean, you mentioned the two Lazio games. I mean, the Christopher Julian one at uh, Celtic Park. I had a few friends who were at that game sending me pictures about it, and uh, I was listening to it on the radio, and it was one-one at the time. And I thought, oh, that's not a bad result for Celtic—a draw against a decent Lazio side. And then Julian scores the win. I was like, that could be a huge win. And then to actually do the same over in Lazio, uh, quite astonishing. And that game for me will always be remembered for. Chris's wild celebrations on the winning goal. <laughs> I, I, I had to hold him back. He was almost down the front row of the stadium celebrating. I think I tweeted you saying, have you managed to get him off the ceiling? <laughs> <laughs> it was something else. I mean, those are, those are moments you can't help but get, in, get wrapped up in the emotion of, of nights like that. And, uh, I, I, I don't know. That, that's when, that's when you, you just... You live for those moments. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's if it's a team that you support, because when when you're, you're commentating, you're you want stories to emerge, sure, and you want you want big moments to happen that, that tell that story, and that's exactly what you know. A, a, a last kick of the ball from Olivier and Jam. Yeah, there, there's no coming back from that. Yeah, there, there, there is no response. That's when you can actually commit. You can commit with with big lines. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely fantastic and it's really good to see both Celtic and Rangers still in the Europa League. Um, just a quick mention on that, do you see either of them going further than where they are at the moment? Obviously Celtic got Copenhagen, Rangers have got Braga. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm off to Copenhagen next week um, and Rob will be doing the, the Braga, Braga games. Yeah, um, yeah I, 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 I think I think both should, should look to progress. I, I think they've got a really good chance of going through. Particularly, well, I mean, I, like I'll, I've been focusing on Celtic throughout this campaign. Um, I think I, th- I, I think they'd be really disappointed if they go out at this same facing, facing a Copenhagen team that are coming off their winter break. That's true. You know, they haven't been haven't been playing football for for two months, just getting back into the swing of things, and, and, and the way that Celtic are playing at the moment. No, they're flying. I think they've got a great chance, mm-hmm. and, and Braga as well. They've they've got their own sort of financial problems right now. So I think they just uh, replaced I, I their think, manager, didn't they? 
Brian, I'm sure yes. he's their manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think I think Rangers are in a great place to 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 progress in, in that one as well. And if you know if we can get two teams through, that what, what a boost! Because absolutely for for two for too long, it's it's really been Celtic flying the flag for for Scotland and Europe. Aberdeen have had some some really good campaigns, but unable to get past that that. So it's usually the third hurdle, isn't it, in qualifying? Yeah. But they've had some Not horror hurdle, draws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they've, they've been really, really unlucky. They've, they've actually held held their heads high in Europe. But you need somebody else getting getting some of those coefficient points. 100%. Yeah. Um, but but now now we've got you know two Rangers had a good campaign last year as well. Uh, we're unlucky not to get out of their group. Mm-hmm. But now you know knockout football. That's you know, that's really when when you. You got to produce the goods, and yeah, that's, I think they both got a great chance. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll certainly watch that space. Um, one last point before the uh, end of the first sort of part. Um, any advice you'd like to give people for that are really interested in maybe working in sort of sports journalism media? Any advice you'd like to give to these people? I think when when I was uh, doing stuff at Satanta, um, I, I I just made a habit of saying yes to everything if if they wanted somebody to go and work on the touring cars I'd put my hand up if they wanted rugby league Australian rugby league and you had to come in at 3 in the morning to turn around the show then I'd go yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm interested in that let me do that and then and then when you when really big opportunities are around that gets remembered absolutely uh, and, and so you know that was when they started to do stuff on the on the live games and, and then you just get a bit more of a, of a voice in, within the organisation but also at the same time uh, I think the best, the best piece of, of advice that I ever got um, came from Martin Tyler uh, I was lucky enough to um, have his number and, and somebody at Sky just said like give Martin a, a ring he knows, he knows of you a call and probably spoke for about an hour just about career and advice and things and he said look best best advice that I can give you is don't take on too much advice be your own your own guy you know you, and we talked before about filling Terry's shoes and I had one of the first I think it's probably actually the first article uh, that I was that was ever done about my commentary uh, was in uh, it was a local I grew up in Helensborough and they'd done an article saying uh, you know the next Bill McLaren sort of thing mm-hmm. and what, it's very what, much, what, what a person to be looked at I mean McLaren absolute <laughs> hero of Scottish rugby I mean to be compared in the same breath as that must must take your breath away but the, 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 the main thing is don't don't try and be somebody Absolute. else. No, sure. be, be your own guy. Create your own style. Because if if you go in there all guns blazing and try to be Bill McLaren, you're gonna fail. Absolutely. Because you're not gonna do it as well Absolutely as him. Agree. Um, you you just got to be your own guy. And I think I think probably my style comes probably not through. I mean, Bill was an absolute master of the English language. He was, and, and had, a, had a turn of phrase and a humour that, like, I, I don't necessarily have. I think probably my style comes from my passion for the game that that, come, that, that is drawn out of being a fan. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. You mentioned Martin Tyler. I mean, an absolute hero of football, and uh, one of my idols as well growing up. So, just absolutely fantastic, just to hear and share of some of that. Uh, that consistent stories with yourself there, Rory, it was absolutely fantastic. Let's move into the next part because obviously we've had 
um, games this week uh, in in the Scottish Cup, last 16 games. Um, you were working on, was it two games for Premier Sports? Um, or yeah, was I did. You yeah, did Rangers, the Hamilton Hamps, Rangers, yeah. Hamilton Rangers, and uh, Clyde Celtic. Yeah, yeah. Two convincing wins for the old firm in those matches. I watched the Rangers game. I didn't full, I watch the whole of the Celtic game. I saw the highlights of that match. But Rangers in the end fairly comfortable for you. Comfortable in the end. It was. We'd done um, Hamilton Celtic the week before, That's and right. fairly, fairly similar. Well, same scoreline. Um, Hamilton. Hamilton, they they stuck it. They're they're not a bad side actually. They they play some quite good football. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the big lad Ockenpo up front is he, the week before he gave Julian and I a, as as hard a time as yeah, as I've agree. seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and both games, the, the Rangers in this case uh, pulled away towards the end, and it, it maybe made it look a little bit. Um, more comfortable than it was because yes. you know chatting chatting with the boys at half time and we were going you know that they're, they're in trouble here Rangers you know, I never thought that they would get knocked out of the cup but they really didn't want a replay no um, and it, and you know it took the took the second goal uh, from a rebel came at a really key time nice bit of play down the left by Kent that he just burned past his man you know that's that's where you're looking for. A bit of quality and seven million pounds buys you that. Um, Eribo well he's, he's a player I like, and then Morelos getting on the score sheet. And he needed a goal. That his, he did. He, he really did. Um, and it just it takes takes the heat off him a little bit. Get get that goal. I think he hadn't he, he hadn't scored since Boxing Day, I think, right, against yeah. Kilmarnock, right. uh, which was his last goal. So yeah, that, that that's big for him, particularly with Defoe being out because Rangers. Don't have another option up front at the moment, so yes. Well, apart from Cal but we'll wait to see how he would get on. Of course. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But you mentioned um, you mentioned so it, you mentioned Rangers as well. I mean, I was really impressed with Scott Arfield on Saturday. I thought he played very well. Yeah. But you mentioned Aki's. I mean, their equalising goal was a, a fantastic piece of play. They actually probably should have scored before they got the penalty. Rangers as well. But a big moment at one-one um, for me. I think it's a handball by Connor Goldson, not spotted by Alan Muir and his officials. What were your thoughts? Uh, absolutely spot on. Uh, we, we we were still chatting about it on on Sunday when we were all arriving and, and talking about the game. And I I can't work out how that doesn't get spotted because when you think about it, there's only one part of your body that can that, that can come off that stops the ball dead. So yeah. It can't come off your if it comes off your chest, it's gonna it's gonna deflect away and, and continue on. If it, if it stops dead, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. Then it, it has to be the arm. But I, you know, a ref can't give something that he doesn't see. But it, I mean, that that was a penalty. It's got to help him out there, in my opinion. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, yeah, obviously the one yeah. at the other one at the other end that was that was given. I mean, it probably was. It was a little bit clumsy from the lad Hamilton, who of course was sent off the previous weekend for an instant with Lee Griffiths. I know, I know. It's, it's, it's sort of a, a steep learning curve. He's a, he's a young guy. He's just seventeen, I think. Uh, Jamie Hamilton. Uh, so you know, you've got a feel for him. That's a couple of red cards he's had because he, I think he got dismissed against Motherwell uh, earlier well, on right, in the yeah. season. Um, but I mean, he's he's a player. He's 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 very good on the ball. He's very composed. Um, he's probably playing at a level certainly above his experience, um, but. That's what Hamilton do. Um, you know, they they, they chuck in. They've got a young guy who they feel can develop into a top player. Yeah. Then the 
they just say, right, go out there, go and play. It's maybe a little bit beyond you at the moment, but this will be the best learning curve. And you can see it with um, with Lewis Smith. Lewis Ferguson um, with the Aberdeen now as well. Yeah, yeah. Ferguson, of course, MacArthur and McCarthy, you know, they, they've all been given their chance. That, that academy is, is incredible the way it's producing players. The young guy, Andy Winter, actually, they played up front. Um, I thought had a really good game uh, as, as well, the, the striker. But he, he played really well. So, the, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, top learning curve for, for Jamie Hamilton, but. He will, he will learn from from all of this, and he will be getting better. But yeah, I thought that one, that one was a penalty as well. Morelos is just, he's, he's just smart. He's very clever with his the way that he uses his body to get between players. He's very, very strong. Yeah. Uh, there was there was an article done uh, earlier on in the season, um, and it was asking uh, defenders um, anonymously. Uh, to talk about playing against Morelos and they just say he's an absolute nightmare because Mm -hmm. he's got that low centre of gravity he can control the ball and then he shows you a little bit of it that makes you think that you can go and get a leg in and then he spins you and, Mm. and he's away yeah, I don't think he'll be at Rangers beyond the end of the season personally, but uh, let's watch this space. I mean, he's, he's certainly got to be talked about in the sort of the £20 million pound bracket, but obviously let's look at that in comparison with Godson Edward at Celtic, who, you know, is going along really nicely. And, and Celtic obviously really comfortable against Clyde on Sunday and uh, no real dramas 3-0 at Broadwood. Yeah, and, and they didn't even need Godson Edward. I mean, they, That's Celtic changed up uh, six players... Um, they brought in <laughs> to think that the, you know, they're changing players and they're going all right. Yeah, yeah Ryan Christie with 17 goals this season. He's can, been superb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, that's his first start of the new year. You know, they're bringing guys like that into the team. Their their squad right now is is just it's another level, and that loops like you know you can't you can't commit early on these things. But but when Celtic are bringing and Rogic and guys like that off the bench Elian Nussi as games. well as the big starter yeah well Elian Nussi I thought he had a good game actually because he was a, he was a really key player for Celtic uh, before he got that injury mm-hmm. and it's, it's a, couple, a couple of months that he's been out but I think he'd, I think he'd had six, six goals in eight games before that mm-hmm. um, and it'll be interesting to see what Neil Lennon does with him back because I don't think he really properly fits that um, 3-5-2 that they have been playing they obviously went back mm. to the 4 um, yesterday I don't think he fits in the midfield 5 where, where Taylor's been playing so maybe with Elianusi coming back maybe they don't play that back 3 mm. as often or, or maybe he tweaks it a bit and, and allows allows the left hand side of Elianusi plays that he goes a little bit further forward and maybe Brown sort of drops back to cover uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out I'm very intrigued to see what team and what formation Celtic play when it comes to Copenhagen because I think Bill Lennon's been, been tweaking things and, and playing the two up top which has worked really well with Griffiths and, and Edward whether he does that in Europe I'm not so sure I would I would think that it, he goes back to the, the 4-2-3-1 and the big shout is probably the midfield three, whether it's, I mean, Brown and McGregor are going to play, and then whether it's 
Christy or in Cham. Yeah. Ernan Cham was, was excellent yesterday. He was, he was. And I like really Cham. Well. I think he's a very quality player. He's, but, he brings power. Yeah. He does. He does. Let's mention quickly about Patrick Clamalla. Obviously, he made his first start for Celtic. What did you make of him? It, I think we're still working out exactly what he is. Mm. Um, I, 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 Celtic had so much of the ball yesterday. Um, but he wasn't. He wasn't always involved because mm. uh, I think he was trying to play on the on the shoulder of the defenders. He got that one chance when he went went through one on one. David Mitchell made a good save when when you're just thinking, oh, maybe maybe this is his big moment to to come up with the goods. Uh, I think I think he's going to be a bit of a work in progress. He's I would say he's third choice right now. I agree uh, with 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 Edward. Edward's the number one. And Griffiths, then Griffiths and if you're if you're playing the two, then then great. If you're playing one, Griffiths is, is probably on the bench, and then Klamala, third choice with Bile, fourth choice. But you know, Bile the hungry when he came on took his goal well. His goal well, um, he did. And, and, and probably actually offered more than what Klamala had offered before him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, but, no. but, but you don't spend three million on a guy that has got nothing. Uh, I think I think we just need to wait and see yeah. what we're going to get from Patrick Clamalla. Well, you mentioned paying the money for what you get. I mean, Christopher Julian at seven million. You know, he's he's on the whole been very very good so far this season. Um, Celtic looking like probably the team to beat again in the Scottish Cup. We'll come on obviously to the the quarterfinal draw in a minute. But any other games catch your eye this weekend? Obviously, for me, probably the result of the weekend: Cali Thistle being Livingston. Yeah, yeah, big result, and not one that's all. Coming, I, no, think I, that, um, I think that Livingston side um, are, are they're a good watch, you know. They were my dark horses to go the, far in the tournament, the, the Scottish Cup, Livingston. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, went well. The, the, <laughs> no, teams, no teams like playing against them, and, and I think unfairly they, they sometimes get labelled as, as a bit of a, a physical Route 1 team, but they really aren't. They're, they've, got, they've got guys in there that, um, that play some really neat and tidy football. So I was very, very surprised at that. Yeah, London Dykes has been a revelation this season for Livingston, personally, off the top of my head. Um, I was at Aberdeen Kilmarnock, and uh, not a lot of highlights. Uh, no, <laughs> no, Aberdeen just can't score at the moment. It's, that must, that must no be a frustrating time. No goals from time. open play since last year. Yeah, because yeah, it's the one penalty Yeah, the Costco penalty against the barn. The only other game I've been to watch this year so far. That <laughs> <laughs> so was going to be a lucky charm um, on Saturday, sadly not. <laughs> yeah, it just it feels like Cosgrove isn't quite firing at the moment. Yeah, I wanted to know what's he's not scoring. Think, yeah, what did you? What do you think's happened there? Is it is the dynamic not right? Is does Derek McInnes not know his best eleven? What do you think? Is it a lack of confidence? Uh, that probably comes into it. Um, I think I think they've got the right. Um, I think they're getting the right balance in the team. I think Kennedy was a good signing, um, but it just seems to be that too many players have gone off form mm-hmm. at the wrong time. McGinn's maybe not quite firing the way that he was. Cosgrove, it maybe masks the. Maybe the, maybe these issues have been there all season. I think but so. Cosgrove was scoring, you know, so freely before. Yeah. But now he's stopped for now. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll come back with with Sam Cosgrove. But remember, it took him a long time. 
to get going. That's very true. And then suddenly, suddenly he became a prolific striker overnight and, and couldn't stop. So, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, the, the, the dynamics right in the team. It might, it might just be that this season needs to, they need to work on it, and that next season they, be, they become a bit more of a, a force again. Well, we'll certainly have to hope that, from, certainly from my point of view anyway. I, I Speak a wee bit about Kilmarnock. I thought um, Gary Dickard a super game on uh, on Saturday. I thought he orchestrated the Kilmarnock midfield really well. And I thought defensively they were really strong. I thought the lad Del Fabro at central defence was very good. And with Brophy finding a bit of form again, obviously scored a couple of goals against uh, against Ross County, I remember. And you know apparently the super game against Hearts as well uh, in mid, last midweek. But he, he, he's been brilliant for Alex Dyer. Yeah, I, I, I like Brophy and uh, I, I, I like Alex Dyer. I, I think he, he deserved his chance. Absolutely, and it's taken a taken a little bit of time to to get the right tune out of them. But he, he knows those players well. Um, Brophy's, Brophy's a, a really good talent. I remember him, uh, you know, coming through at Hamilton. And when you've got that, that I used to always think when they had Malumbu in there That's with true. Uh, with Power and Dicker. Dicker. That, that's just a midfield three that you're not going to boss. No. And, and, and uh, all the, you know, the last couple of seasons, Celtic and Rangers went down to Rugby Park and they, they couldn't deal with them. Nope. So, you know, obviously, obviously Malumbu's away, but, but when you've got Power and Dicker in there, they're, they're, they're really, really and you've got Rory McKenzie as well who I really have admired in Scottish football for a few seasons now I think he's a fantastic player um, other results I mean St Johnston being Air United at Somerset Park's got to look, be looked at as a very impressive result yeah decent result and, and, and Saints seem to have turned the corner a little bit just to steer themselves clear of, of trouble for now um, in the league but yeah good result down there particularly they went on down I think as well That's and right. you thought you know and Tricky conditions down at Somerset Park's a, a, a ground that I really enjoy. It's a proper old school stadium. I really enjoy it. Um, and yeah, to come back from that and, and get the win, really important for them. Um, and well, yeah, the host Celtic next. So see, <laughs> yeah, well, see well, always struggle against Celtic, don't they? I mean, you were obviously commentating on the game recently for BT Sport, weren't you? The the three nil game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, the game was over after 40, 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, it was it was done, and then Celtic could just ease up a bit, like a bit like um, Sunday actually against Clyde. Get get the goals, and then they'll just pass pass it for the next sixty minutes, and then and get into the shirts quite happy with a three points or or through to the next round. But uh, you never know; they're an away tie. See, see what happens up there. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think the TV picks have been done yet, but I would, I would like to think that that one will get picked up by TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's uh, let's quickly mention Hearts and Hibs, both Edinburgh clubs winning um, in slightly different circumstances. Hearts just getting past Falkirk, a tough game for for uh, Daniel Stendel side, and Hibs in the end comfortably getting past uh, the Lowland side BSC Glasgow. Yeah, I watched the uh, Hearts game on Saturday night just so I was doing some prep for the, the Clyde Celtic game. Uh, just, just cursing their luck. Was it Declan McManus hit the post twice in yeah. a couple of minutes and then there was one that cracked off the bar. It was, it was in wild conditions as well. Oh, Falkirk, it's terrible. But unlucky. Um, really unlucky for Falkirk. Uh, yeah. they, they, they took 
the game to heart. So I think Daniel Stendhal would just be quite relieved to get his team through that one and through to the next round. Hibs, uh, we had it on uh, in the in the, the BT Sport. Oh, it was Premier actually, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the the Winnebago um, before the game. Uh, so I saw it up to I saw up to two one. I saw the BSC last uh, yeah, ball, yeah. which is a great moment. Uh, Absolutely, really it's what the cup's all about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They they looked absolutely overjoyed with that. Um, and I see, so I'd seen the the two McNulty goals. I thought he took his second brilliantly. Yeah, he did. Really, really nice yeah. finish into the top corner. And I I, I didn't actually see the, the two yeah, goals no. after that, but I guess I guess comfortable in the end. You yeah. almost expect. I've got a lot of love for Falkirk because I had David McCracken on as a previous guest on my podcast and he's just such an effervescent character and I love Falkirk, they're a, they're a big side who are obviously had their troubles and are starting to get on their way back a little bit so I really want them to do well but I also was really pleased to see BSC Glasgow give a good account against Hibs and I thought 4-1 was slightly harsh and I mean Hibs had too much quality in the end obviously but you know I thought they acquitted themselves well and gave the Lowland League a bit of a, a boost I think as well which is obviously very good and you know they had that really big day in the sun when they beat uh, East Kilbride in the previous round so it's good for them it's, as you say it's it's what the cup is all about um, moving into the quarter final draw um, obviously we've mentioned Celtic away St Johnston Rangers away to Hearts again well, obviously we know what happened there recently last time um, Hibs against uh, Cali Thistle and the winners of either St Johnston or Motherwell against the winners of Aberdeen Kilmarnock um, we'll have to start just quickly um, that's a tough tie for Rangers I thought again away to Hearts yeah. again <laughs> Yeah, yeah, particularly after after the league game uh, there and, and losing, you thought that you thought that the Hearts were just going to keep on that momentum once once it kicked in with with Stendhal arriving and they looked onto a good thing and they've kind of just started stuttering again in the leagues. Uh, mm. But but you do feel like Pencastle for big games, it almost doesn't matter how Hearts are playing. The the, the fans demand that team. Uh, turn up and and make it difficult for for any visitors. That that will be that's that's got to be tying around, doesn't it? That's a very Hearts tough game for Rangers. Probably the hardest away draw they could have got. I would have said on paper. I mean on balance. I mean obviously Celtic away would be hard, but of course they did win at Celtic Park earlier in the season. So um, yeah. that'll be interesting. We mentioned Celtics and Johnston already. Um, Hibs Cali Thistle's an interesting one because Cali really have nothing to lose, are they? The only Championship side left in the competition. Yeah, and semi-finals uh, last year, so yeah, getting the, another another cup run together. Point Edinburgh will be tricky, but you know, the, like we we just talked earlier about knocking out Livingston, didn't see that coming. So you know, and, and Hibs aren't they're not as consistent no. as as they should be. Again, a bit like like Hearts, you know, they got a bit of a boost when when Jack Ross came in, and you just don't see much consistency out of that yeah, team really but I, I think, I think from my point of view as well, John Robertson always has a good love affair with the Scottish Cup. You know, he obviously won it as a player with Hearts, and he always does well with Inverness. And I like seeing the North teams do well. Obviously, being an Aberdeen fan myself, I also want to see Aberdeen do well. But I love to seeing Cali Thistle do well. I love seeing Ross County yeah. do well. And I just hope that they could give Hibs a real run for the money. I think it'll be a cracking game. Um, yeah, yeah. I always, I, I, I'm, I'm like you as well. I, I like seeing the Northern teams do well. Although I, I grew up. On the west coast, um, my parents now live up in the Highlands, so I've always got a wee soft spot. I actually went to the um, 2015 Scottish Cup final. Uh, just, just, I think my dad was coming down for the weekend, and we thought, 
Oh, let's let's go and sit in the Cali end and and, and watch them in the, against Falkirk in the final. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, always it's it's a bit of a kind of well, I don't know if it's a myth in the Scottish media that they don't like going up to the Highlands and you know yeah. when Ross County yeah. and Inverness are but playing. It's always but a tough game. I, I, I always like it. I always like it. It's always a tough game for Celtic Rangers going up to, to Inverness or Ross County. I always believe anyway, and especially under the days of when, when Terry Butcher was at Cali Thistle, and yeah. you know, obviously Ross County is still a very solid side, you know, even though they're having their troubles in the, at the moment in the Scottish Premiership, they, they do still pick up some good results, and I think they, I, I long hope that both continue to do well in the top flights of Scottish football, certainly in the top two flights anyway. Um, the other yep, game, that's... obviously, is the replay, Samirin or Motherwell against Aberdeen or Kilmarnock what an opportunity for one of those four sides to, to make a semi-final yeah yeah absolutely um, Motherwell a side that I like great mm-hmm. season that they're having uh, under Stephen Robinson they're, uh, they're uh, we watched them uh, way back at the beginning um, in the group stages of the of the Betfred mm-hmm. Cup mm-hmm. and I just thought they, they played at that time they played with, with two wide guys who were just rapid, lightning pace, and it, it doesn't matter who you're up against. If you're not quicker than somebody, he's going to run by you. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and that's something that there's not an awful lot of, just out-and-out pacey wingers in the league. And I think when they when they played again, we did, we did them against Celtic last uh, midweek, and they were too open. They were. And they got cut, they got cut apart by Celtic. And I was quite surprised. But, because I thought that would be a closer game than four 0 Celtic, quite frankly. But uh, just goes to show you. Yeah. I, I, I just think they were they were they were too open. Mm-hmm. So maybe when they come up against that real quality, the, then they get punished. But mm-hmm. against others in the league, I, th- I think that, that they've they've got the match of anyone. Yeah. Uh, they would probably be. Yeah, they're probably the one that I would think from those four most likely to get through. But I mean, replays to go. Um, then they'll have a. They'll be home, won't they, against either yes. Aberdeen or Killy? You know, who, who knows? Aberdeen got a really good record down at Rugby Park, mm-hmm. so they'll, they'll fancy that. Um, but they, you know, they need to need to start finding the net. Yeah, no, I fully agree. And and, and let's not forget Simon, who have maybe started to find a little bit of form, a couple of decent results. They got obviously the draw on Saturday, and they got a got a decent point against Hamilton because considering that they could have really lost that game, Hamilton obviously missed a penalty in that match. So be very interesting. To see that, that was a really that was a really important point for them. Huge, um, huge. And and the boy Dermis, uh coming in the free kick. So yeah. I think they I think they strengthened quite well as well mm. uh, during the window. Get get guys in that can go into the. The first eleven, mm-hmm. which you know, not everyone manages to to do. It's a lot of squad players coming in, but yeah, the the, the relegation battles that's, that's really interesting this it year. Is, um, is really- we know we know the teams are going to be in the mix uh, for it. It's it's the usual usual suspects, but uh, and, and they've all they've each got qualities that can shine through on any given day. Um, it's it's just who can do it consistently enough. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to put you on the fence here. Who 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 do you think will go down? I, I it's unfair. <laughs> <laughs> Look, everyone says Hamilton every year. I don't, and they just they use that as motivation. I don't um, think Hamilton will go down. To, I'm going to, to say avoid that it. I think somebody will go down. Um, you think it'll be submitted? Just they don't score enough goals. That's my view. I yeah. don't think they score yeah. enough goals. Or, or having like you know like a, a front man, uh, somebody that's gonna 
in a dugout between now and the end of the season, if somebody can get you eight to ten goals, you're you're going to be you're probably going to be all right. No, I've got I just think yeah, Hamilton will scrap right, away and, and they know how to fight you just mentioned that um, I think Hearts will be in the playoff personally that was my prediction a few weeks back well, I'm still going to stick with that I think Hearts will be 11th um, but I wouldn't yeah. rule Ross County getting sucked in there they're on a quite poor yeah. at the moment yeah I, th- I, th- I think above the teams that mentioned kind of the, like Hibs St Johnston I think, I think okay. they're they've got enough to be okay yeah. it, it's, it's it the four down there um, and it's going to be t- between them. I I just keep assuming that Hearts are going to get it together. Yeah. Because the, the, I mean, they're they're a, they're a top four squad. Yeah. Uh, and and you know they've got Scotland internationals. You know, John Suter back the in defence. They've got Naismith. They should, but you know I don't know for whatever reasons it's it's not been working this year. Um, it's an area of the, the table that I find really interesting. It yeah. will be very good this year. No, it really will be. Right, well, we'll just finish up with the, this podcast with uh, a bit of a predictions battle now. Myself and Rory will tackle the midweek games in the Scottish Premiership, starting, of course, with tomorrow night on Tuesday, Hamilton against Aberdeen. Give us a scoreline for this one, Rory. I will go 1-0 Hamilton. <sighs> 1-0 Hamilton. Sorry. Going to go a score draw. I'm going to go 1-1. Um, I think this is a very tough game for Aberdeen. Always going to Ake's is very tough. And uh, I think Aberdeen will actually score their first goal from open play on Tuesday. But I think Hamilton will get a point. I think with uh, if Ocampo starts, he'll give the Aberdeen defence something to think about. And as we just mentioned, Hamilton, this is the start of the time of the season where they've scrapped for everything. And I think they might just yeah. get some. So I'm going to go 1-1. Now let's move on to Wednesday night's games. Celtic against Hearts. I can't see anything past Celtic comfortable win because it's just what they're doing to everyone at the moment. I agree. Um, you wonder whether he'll change it up again, Neil Lennon. Uh, I, I don't think it really matters. I think that there's probably almost two 11s uh, that Neil Lennon can, can put out and both of them are more than capable uh, of winning the vast majority of games. Uh, I think it will be probably fairly predictably easy uh, and I will go 3-0 Celtic. 3-0 Celtic. I think Hearts will nick a goal, but I'm going 3-1 Celtic. I think they'll just have too much. I, I would like to see Griffiths start on Wednesday night, personally. I think his form, especially in the run-up towards uh, the Euro 2020 playoff, could be very important for Scotland, but also for Celtic as well. I, I agree with you. I think Celtic are too much. I'm going to go with Liam Boyce to score a consolation for the Jambos. Um, next up is Hibs Ross County. Yeah. I think you want to call that. I, I, I think I think a wee score draw there. Mm. Uh, I think Ross County can get something. Uh, I'll probably go with a, a two each. Two each. I'm going to go for a Hibs win here. I, I think they'll uh, continue a little bit of momentum that they got off the cup game. Um, I'm not just too sure Ross County are. I think the win against Livingston was a great result, but can they continue that on? I'm not too convinced. Uh, I'm going 2 0 Hibs in this one. Now, next up is the Kilmarnock Rangers game, which is that the game you're doing for BT on Wednesday? Yes. Yeah, yeah BT Sport uh, live game uh, and I mean Kilmarnock they, they thrived on these games mm-hmm. under Steve Clark they absolutely loved it um, Alex Dyer will be trying to harness that spirit I mean I, I think it was uh, Steve Clark I think was the only manager that Brendan Rodgers 
failed to beat. beat. Mm. Something, so, so there, there was something yeah, like never, that. I don't think he won. Yeah, Park. No. Yeah, I, did, no. No, I, don't, I don't think he did. Um, so yeah, come on, I need to need to try and bring that back. They're having a good season. Uh, that's a really that's a tough game for Rangers because they're not they're not quite at it since mm. coming back from the break. Uh, it's they've been you know, they dropped five points in the league. Yes, and to be honest, it probably should have been more. Mm. Two late goals, uh, young young lad Hadji, Janis Hadji getting the the winner against Hibs. I'm intrigued they've to see been, how he gets on. Yeah, I, he's, he's, he's got talent, there's no doubt about that. Um, so, I'm, I'm going to go for Rangers to sneak it, but it, I think it, it could be a pretty interesting night. I'm going to go 2-1 Rangers. I've gone exactly the same scoreline and for the exact same reasons. I, I, always, I always think this is a tough game for Rangers at Rugby Park. It's always a bit of a bogey place for them. Obviously, they lost on the first game back after winter break last season as well. I think another game that you were commentating yep. on as well. Yep. You know, yeah. that was the Jordan Jones scoring against yes. his new employers. I remember that game. Yes, remember just quite, signed a pre-contract with them as well. That's right. I remember. also remembered for a really bad mistake by Joe Waddle, if I remember correctly as well. Yes. Um, yeah, for the first goal. I, I think got in and scored it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think this is an interesting game. I just think a bit of magic might win this for Rangers. But... You know, Kilmarnock, a little bit like we mentioned about Hamilton, will fight hard. And we mentioned about that midfield. That's going to be a hell of a battle between Power and Dicker against the likes of Arfield. And if Davis is playing or Hadji's playing yeah. or whatever is going to be in there, that's going to be someone else. But I think Rangers will sneak it to and I'm going to be watching that game. So that should be very exciting. Next up is Livingston St. Millen. Or this is the penultimate game, I should say. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, like I say, I like this Livingston side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't see it being the most attractive game uh, against St Mirren neither do I uh, I, I, I think Livingston probably enough to seek it like you say I, I, I really like the look of Lyndon Dykes he gives defenders a real real headache um, and, and let, me, let me play some nice stuff I think that they will win that um, but it will be tight I'll go one nil Livingston. Well, I think that before I get my prediction on this, I think they're going for their sixth straight home win, which would be quite something. Um, but I think they'll win this game as well. I just think my biggest concern with St. Mirren is, as I mentioned, they don't score enough goals, and that's my biggest concern with them in this fight to stay up. Um, Livingston, I think, are in a great shape to get in the top six, and really been a revelation this season for me. Um, outside of the old firm, Gary Hole has to be in with a shout for manager of the season, along with Stephen Robinson at Motherwell. But I'm going two nil Livingston. And I think Dykes will score a double uh, in that one. And last up, St Johnston Motherwell. Uh, yeah, tricky one to call this because both sides are inconsistent. You don't really know what you're what you're going to get with them. Um, St Johnston are a team that, that can throw in a bad run of results and then and then suddenly suddenly pick up from nowhere. I. Yeah, it's, I think it's too tricky one to call it. I might just need to sit on the fence and go with, with a draw in that. Well, no. All right. Okay, St. Johnston's winning 2 1. 2-1 St Johnston I've gone with a score draw so I've gone 1-1 um, yeah. St Johnston I've turned the corner we mentioned that a little bit at the start of the show they had a great one against Aberdeen last Wednesday night and obviously got through in the cup Motherwell I'm not just too sure where they are at the moment they're, they're, they've been good in games and they've been not so great last couple of games as well and you know it's a tough one to call and going down to McDermott Park always a tough game uh, so I'm going to go a draw I'm going to go 1-1 well, we'll I, just... I really like um, the lad Alan Tan I think he's, yes. he's got it 
he's a really top class player. Yeah. Um, that was that was what kind of kind of stuck it in St Johnson's favour. Yeah. Me. No, I think they've got some some really good players, and uh, obviously the mother will have as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes on. Well, we'll see how Rory and I get on with our predictions uh, during the midweek matches. But for now, this is the end of another episode of Campbell's Footballs, the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack. I hope this show is just what the doctor ordered. Rory, it's been a real pleasure to chat with you on this show. Real, real pleasure to be on. Thank you very much for having me. Really enjoyed it. No worries. And you can tune into some of my previous podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. My next show will be with the host of Clyde Super Scoreboard, Gordon Duncan. Until then, it's bye for me for now. Well, listener, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs. I hope this podcast was just what the doctor ordered. If you want to listen to previous shows or look out for future shows, follow Campbell's Footballs on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to other podcasts. You can also follow the show on Facebook at Campbell's Footballs. Search for me, StatoG91, on Instagram or other social media channels. But until then, until next time, I hope you enjoyed the crack and enjoy Campbell's Footballs. What a dangerous night.